Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Let's start it. Oh, cool. (laughs) Amazing. How are you, Murray? I'm good. I'm good, man. I um, have a uh, a bit of a pastoral dilemma to bring to you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I, I want uh, advice from you on how I can love my neighbor okay. who has yapping dogs oh. that keeps on waking up our son during his day nap. <laughs> we have these new, um, I don't know, I don't know, flat, not flatmates. What is it called when you're in the same apartment? Anyway, uh, people who live out, in the apartment, same apartment. Neighbors? Apartment mates. <laughs> yeah. We have these new apartment mates um, who have these two very yappy dogs and they've been there a week now. Yeah. <laughs> at, what uh, point, sh- at what point do you complain? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you spoken to them? <laughs> I haven't really met them yet. Yeah, okay. I've, I've only met their two dogs. Yeah. It's sort of hard when you're on a different level. Ah. So they're on ground and we're on level one. We're like mm. right above them. And so which like when they yap, it just like is right below George's window. That's pretty annoying. How, how, how does one love thy yeah, neighbor? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I could tell you a few ways how not to love thy neighbor with yeah, dogs. I got some horror stories of uh, next door neighbors banging on their house and threatening to do this, that, and the other to their dogs because they can't tell you what not to do. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, if you can, start with talking to them. If not, you could chat to the building manager. Yeah. Because, yeah, mm. that would be. Yeah. suggestion in a loving way it's very biblical take it to them first yes yes <laughs> that's, that's kind of my motto in life and then take it to the priest oh, i.e. Yeah, yeah, building yeah. manager <laughs> and then if the building manager fails take it to council yeah do it do it in a strata meeting there yeah, you go yeah, there yeah. is actually a perfect correlation yeah, yeah. between a strata structure yes. and a church, church. structure when dealing with conflict yeah, yeah. Like, that was very go. pastoral Mitch there you thank go you. thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right soldier dilemma it's all sorted. No, it is yeah. um, a bit challenge. There was a suggestion. I don't know if it was from Brian or Craig, but to say, hey, welcome to the apartment, neighbor. Here's some dog treats. <laughs> <laughs> that may be laced with something else, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know how loving that no, is. No, I don't know if that's very loving either. <laughs> How's your week been, man? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it's just started. I probably feel like it would just end on Friday. Yeah. I feel like that's how weeks are. Yeah. It's going to be like blink of an eye and you're gonna have a a, a new mm. kid in the, yeah, in the mix know. well you kind of already have a new kid but a yeah, new kid this growing. side on earth yeah it's pretty funny i could uh when uh, last night i rolled over i could actually feel the baby like, kicking yes. i was like oh it's kind of a lot more active yeah it's so uh, cute a few little hiccups there so you know <laughs> what's the the big difference between having a third baby and a third i mean it's mm. we, we've spoken about it before with asher it wasn't necessarily the, yeah, the, the normal, normal first time but uh, probably the lack of like oh yeah it's coming from yeah. both of us it's like uh, yeah uh, yeah yep, baby's coming whatever yeah. it's like any week now like four weeks yeah <sighs> yes yeah, so it could happen any day it's very uh, exciting, exciting. The earlier, the better. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, baby. At at this point, the earlier, the better. At this point, fit fit to my schedule. (laughs) Come on, baby. (laughs) Should know what I want within my timetable. Ideally, between eight and ten a.m. Yes, (laughs) would be great. Yes. So yeah, Rach is now in the the kind of final stages where you're getting like the check up with the obstetrician yesterday and. 
doing that more weekly kind of appointments mm. towards the crunch time. So. Mm. I'm not wishing it on you, but Lou did mention this morning to you, maybe God will use this to, you know, just teach you about <laughs> about, about, about being more loose with your schedule. <laughs> you know? Sounds yeah. like something God would do. Because <laughs> yeah, Rachel has photo shoots booked in, so I know she's super keen to get yeah. right yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, I'd rather, anyway, it'll all come. It'll all sort itself out. The other two did. Yeah, again, a very great reason to miss a photo shoot. Sorry, I'm having a baby. <laughs> baby yeah. So, anyway. So good. Mm. So, man, Murray, you preached on Hebrews 9 and a little bit of 10. Yeah. 10 indeed. to 18, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, 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 that's it. It's um a kind of, again, big chunk of scripture that's all very tied into each other, playing around with the imagery of the tabernacle and the high priest. I mean, it's kind of something really that's a ongoing theme throughout mm. Hebrews. I mean, you know, when um the the writer is kind of equating um, Jesus to a greater Moses, a greater Melchizedek, there's already this very priestly language yeah. and idea and motifs. And now he's essentially saying in this passage that he's also greater than the high priests, mm. which, um, yeah, is also like an interesting thing because for me... I find that um, I probably, in a you know new covenant modern world, um, lose a lot of the reverence that first century Jews would have had for a high priest. Because I my thinking is kind of like, well, he's greater than Moses and Melchizedek. Of course, he's greater than a high priest. And I think that maybe like the pecking order and reverence in my mind of where the high priest sat is a little bit different. Because um, it's really interesting when you start thinking about these epistles and letters they're written so intentionally and their structure is so thought out and i'm like the way that this is leading up to the high priest that you've already gone past melchizedek or already gone past moses Mm -hmm. and melchizedek sort of suggests that yeah these first century jews would have viewed the high priest as even higher Mm -hmm. than those two people maybe what do you think where do you think high priest would have fit in the pecking order of reverential holy well the high priest had had a very crucial role Mm. for that ongoing like existence of Israelite society. Yeah. If Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, yeah, wasn't done properly, that was it. You got yeah. curtains. Yeah. Like, there's no Sabbath rest, no forgiveness of sins for that year. Yeah. Like that was it. Which it's is why serious. it's so detailed in yeah. the instructions and why I guess afterwards there's such a big celebration. It's like, oh well, Yahweh has forgiven us yeah. for another year. We yeah. can rest. Yeah temporarily in his presence yeah. so to speak um, i think in all of that we can like really miss how to steal an nt right word explosive mm. <laughs> i feel like he's always saying explosive yeah. um this idea is that jesus is greater than the high priest because mm. yeah the high priest was so important for their direct relationship with mm. god for the entire people yeah for the continuation yeah. of and, Israel. and one book I have been reading, um, he seems to suggest that the lack of forgiveness was one of the issues that they were struggling with theologically, because mm. why he spends so much time unpacking Jesus, yeah, being in the priesthood of Melchizedek. And yeah, going into the whole tabernacle section, which you looked at on Sunday, yeah. is that apparently Jews, um, when they met at um, like synagogue every week and every Saturday, I should say, um, that they, there was in Jerusalem, there was a sacrifice that was offered on behalf of all Jews in the dispersa. So mm. those that were in sort of the Roman empire yeah. and that was there with the knowledge, oh, well, there's always ongoing sacrifices 
for yeah. us for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And so this guy, he suggests that perhaps they were thinking, oh, well, maybe like we've been forgiven once, but we haven't been forgiven. Like what happens when we sin after? Yeah. yeah. What happens after that? And it's something the church sort of wrestled with, a bit with baptism. Yeah. A little bit like, oh, why is he sin after baptism? Like, is that it? So there was a kind of a movement in the first yeah. 300 years of the church. Where people wouldn't get baptized till like right before their deathbed. Yeah. In case yeah, they yeah, sinned. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that, that's an interesting yeah, viewpoint to take. So I feel like it's seeing so much time unpacking yeah. how Jesus is greater than mm. yeah, high priest sacrifice and tabernacle. Mm. Ties in quite a lot with the sacrificial system, which was all about the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And. Yeah, particularly here, that, that classic quote in chapter 10. Let's pull up there about you know the blood of animals. Um, yeah, it cannot take away sins. Where is that? I've just had a mind blank. Maybe uh, it's 10. Anyway, he talks about the blood of bulls and goats. You know, not Oh, I think to... that might be earlier. It's in uh, 913. The 9, blood 13, of goats right. and bulls and the ashes yeah, of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them mm. so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Mm. Um, it's even like really interesting. Mm. I couldn't help but be struck by a little bit of like pharisaic cup like clean on the outside dirty Mm. on the inside idea which is kind of really interesting like obviously Mm. this is a thing that was really being challenged by people that you know being outwardly clean and that makes a lot of sense when you look at so much of those levitical laws and you know Mm. well laws throughout the pentateuch um that it's so much about outward cleanliness responding to inward cleanliness and you know the writer is kind of going well no like it's it's not about being outwardly clean it's about being inwardly clean and only christ can do that it's quite fascinating sort of language and trying to get into their mindset of what cleanliness Mm. meant in spiritual cleanliness yeah well because that's that classic passage in psalm 46 which you just remind me of sacrifice and offering you did not desire yeah my ears you have opened burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require, which he quotes yeah. in chapter 10. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. uses, he changes it a bit, sort of saying, yeah, this is body. It is really interesting. Yeah. So did you want to just, because, yeah, I found that really interesting mm. when I was reading, because I, you know, you have your little footnote in your Bible when you read a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that's referencing an, an Old Testament passage. Mm. And then I couldn't help but notice the difference between what the writer of Hebrews is saying when he quotes it and what it actually says. Did you want to find a note that I made? But essentially, it seems to be like this almost interpretive choice where we've talked so much about Jesus' humanity and Jesus' body being so essential for the forgiveness of sins Mm. and being a high priest that's as part of like the ultimate sacrifice what needs to be a body. Yeah. Because the ear analogy works. It's obviously about listening and being obedient. Yeah. But in this sense, it's... Christ um, is made, and it, I said that a couple of times in in the sermon series, like when it talks about being made perfect. It's like I not that Jesus was imperfect and became perfect, but perfectly fulfilled God's plan. Yeah, and so that is makes it necessary to have a body, which is yeah, identifying there is that that's the body of Jesus. Yeah, because because it's interesting actually, he links it not with. David, he says, this is verse five. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, yeah. 
Like he's actually saying this is Christ's words is saying this like well, I do not desire but a body prepared for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's changing the psalm a bit to fit his yeah. argument that Christ well Christ said this. Yeah. That before I came, here's my body which is prepared for for sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. So j- just to sort of, you know, summarize mm. that the idea in the in the original passage it's sacrifice and offering you did not desire mm. but my ears mm. you have opened. Yeah. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require and then in the sort of um yeah, I suppose quotation um in in Hebrews sacrifice and burnt offerings you did not desire but a body you prepared for mm. me. And you're like, "Oh, that's really interesting." It kind of continues to come to a conversation that we've been mm. having again and again in banter in the way that yeah, these first century Jews sort of used scripture. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It it's a lot more dynamic <laughs> than we would uh, than we would sort of take use. the liberty of, of doing. Um, yeah, it, it raises a lot of yeah. interesting questions, but ultimately it is really fascinating. Mm. Um, while we're on that sort of theme mm. of that Psalm 40, um, there's this really interesting idea as well in, in verse 7 moving forward where um, then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. Um, this sort of here I am is a real interesting uh, linguistic pattern mm. that happens when Abraham is called by God. Mm. He goes, you know, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here I am. And then with Moses, 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 mm. here I am. And now we kind of see it. Obviously, this is originally written by King David. Mm. Um, and he's sort of saying, here I am, you know, kind of tying himself mm. into that line of history. And now here's Jesus, yes. also part of that line. Yeah, it's sort of just once again tying him into that mm. line of, of, you know, is Israelite history um, and of being called by God and responding to God and doing God's will. It's, um, yeah, quite profound when you start seeing all of these little hyperlinks that are always yeah, happening. And it's really cool. I like how he gives us a little commentary mm. afterwards. Mm. So if you kind of don't understand it, yeah, because some of the passages he just drops, you're like, what? Yeah. But this one actually gets a little commentary. Yeah, Sacrifice offerings. Yeah, he did not desire. He says, "Here I am," and basically just summarize it. And by that, by that will, this is verse ten of chapter ten. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Kind of in case he didn't understand what he was doing with Psalm forty, he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, that's sort of the the summary of it to set aside the first to establish the second. Yeah, that's that's in verse nine there, sort of. Read backwards. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, no, like, it, I think that it is really fascinating when you start looking at how much Hebrews continues to reference the Old Testament. Mm. And you just can't help but go back there mm. time and time again with all of this sort of imagery. Even, you know, um, something as simple as the ashes of a heifer, obviously, mm. sprinkle on those. That's like that numbers idea of this, you know, um, purifying people who had touched dead things. Mm. And this idea that Jesus is purifying and freeing us from yeah. thing, from a, a life of death, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of sounds like a bit of a paradox. Um, but yeah, this idea of purification, um, not just spiritually, but from this idea that if God is life, then death is anti-God. And obviously, you know, so much of the Levitical laws are seen as being in direct opposition to death. Um, I, yeah, it was really interesting when we're looking through um, the, the laws around animals that could be eaten. Mm. And one of the theories that sort of came up was a lot of the animals that weren't allowed to be eaten, like scavenging birds, for instance, it's because they would eat the carcass of dead animals. Mm. And so many of these ideas of, Really, what you're trying to do with these Levitical laws is, sure, be holy and set apart and unique. But the way that we're doing that is through separating ourselves from anything that is connected in any way to death. 
and mortality. Um, and a lot of that kind of comes through in those separation of, you know, bodily fluids, which are on either side mm. of life and death as well. Um, it's really, really fascinating. Yes. It, which really shows you when Paul says death is the final enemy to be defeated. Mm. I think uh, Michael Horton, he's, can't remember the name, oh, Pilgrim Theology, whatever it's called, he has a great chapter on death. Mm. He says too many Christians treat death as like a bit of a friend. Oh, I'm going to die and go home. And he goes, that's not how the Bible treats it. It wow. actually treats it as an enemy wow. that's to be defeated. And I remember reading that. Yeah, 2017 when I did the theological class, it still resonates with me that yeah, death actually is the enemy. And mm. in a sense, this is what Hebrews has, has been arguing all along with Jesus' supremacy. It's about, well, it's about entering into a greater rest. It's about mm. receiving forgiveness of sins because, as we've just said, mm-hmm. the whole Levitical law is about life, not death. Mm. And if Jesus does the one perfect sacrifice, that means, well, if sin's taken away, death taken away means that you can have life i.e the anchor we have this hope as an anchor for our soul yeah so uh, good so good there's mm. um really like fascinating stuff going on as well when he starts talking about jesus um entering through a more perfect tabernacle i'll just mm. read the passages again like it was part of the even smaller excerpt of scripture. <laughs> yes. I was just like, I can't even go there. The sermon's going to go for 40 minutes if I unpack all of this <laughs> ashes of a heifer and the more perfect tabernacle. But mm-hmm. um, this is the place, yes. right? This is the place where we do it. So verse 11 is, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things and now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. Now, so much stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, the writer is referring to Jesus's body mm. as a tabernacle, which mm. um, may be a bit of a new idea for some people. Um, the sort of, yeah, writer John in his gospel sort of says, and, and the word came and tabernacled. Mm amongst us this isn't sort of a unique image only given in hebrews but this idea that um because i kind of spoke on sunday that jesus is obviously the spotless lamb you know the Mm. perfect sacrifice um he is the high priest um but he's also god (laughs) but on top of that there's another image that the writer of hebrews is saying jesus is also the tabernacle Mm. (laughs) and it's like man jesus just everything but you know it's this idea that every element of this, um, these rituals um, that the Levitical priests and high priests had to do to come into contact with God, Jesus is absolutely fulfilling. Mm. <laughs> the high priest themselves, mm. <laughs> the you know the sacrifice itself, and even like the space in which mm. the whole ritual is being performed, Jesus fulfills and is greater than all mm. of those things. Like, man, that's profound. Um, yeah. And there's some beautiful imagery, which you'll probably pick up on next week, that continues to play on this idea of Jesus being tabernacle. Mm. But um, yeah, man, it's so dense. It is very dense. And um, even uh, one of the small group questions I asked is about why do you think God gave these rights? A copy of the things in heaven instead of revealing the Jesus a true tabernacle from the beginning. And It's a massive question. It's a massive question. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I think there'll be a lot of like, head scratching probably did, on that one did you want to just read the verse that you're referring to with that question ah so this is actually from chapter so i sort of just read through chapter nine and was like well why kind of like we, then like we have this sort of description of the tabernacle why did god start with that and then yeah with jesus and so in some ways this sort of 
how Mitch would answer his own question yeah, when thinking about it on. is so in from chapter chapter nine verse two it says the tabernacle was set up in the first room with a lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. Um, that, this is called the most holy place. Behind the curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold covered ark of the covenant. And uh, this ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that butted in the stone tablets of the covenant. And above the ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Oh, I like that. You know, just keep short, it short, short and sermon. sweet. Yeah, short and sweet. So, uh, like, and I've read some stuff on the tabernacle and. Well, let's look at what he says here, the lampstand. And in some ways, like, what's the first thing God does when he creates the world? Light. Mm. Um, and even the, the Nora is yeah. shaped like a, like the tree of life. Yeah. It's a tree-shaped image. So yeah. looking at that, like, well, God is light, mm-hmm. and there is no darkness. And yeah. we know that Jesus is light. So I see that there. It's like that yeah. points to God's light. Mm. Yeah. Jesus being a light table of the consecrated bread. Well, it's pretty easy. Like I am the bread of life. Yeah. In some ways that points to Jesus. He, and that even links in there with the whole manner. It's in the, the most holy place. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus in John six, he's saying like, yeah, yeah Moses helped, you know, helped you with the manner. Mm. I provide the, the true bread of yeah, life yeah, yeah. that you can feast on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Yeah, so that yeah. language. And then, um, yeah, just going along there, and even the the um, gold altar of incense. It's showing that you're entering into like this presence, mm. this kingly presence, mm. and we know that well. Jesus is king, um, so that's just some of that imagery there. The staff that budded it shows that there's this idea of flourishing, and Aaron's staff that budded. If for those who don't know, it was a way to um, when the Israelites were grumbling about who was in charge it was a way of showing um mm. yeah aaron's that mm. he is god's chosen man the mm. staff butted and then mm. yeah and again life coming life. from yeah. a, a dead yeah, piece stick. of wood really yeah and then ironically i guess you could link that with the cross which is called a tree in mm. some older english translations yeah. like kjv and the new kjv which yeah. I, I think is actually really good <laughs> Where it links like biblical theology, the whole whole idea of it was a tree that caused yeah. humanity's downfall. Yeah. And it's a tree yeah. that brings us life. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Sense. And so yeah, you can draw that link there. The stone tablets of the covenant, well obviously that's the law. And yeah. we can see it too, like in Hebrews it's referred to Jeremiah's new covenant, mm. Jeremiah thirty one, about mm. it's not written on a covenant of stone, but on mm. our hearts. And then the big one above the ark was the cherubim of glory overshadowing the atonement cover. And when Adam and Eve sinned and were kicked out of the garden, cherubim were there put outside of the garden to mm. block off that sacred space. The guard dogs of heaven. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And then you look at Jesus' tomb. Who's yeah. outside the tomb? Two mm. angels. But he lets the angels let them in, essentially. Like some commentators know that the, the empty tomb becomes mm. like a new holy of holies, so to speak. It's cool. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. some of Mitch's answers, how you can see yeah. these links. And obviously, you can read a lot more of that. That's yeah. a bit of a brief summary. But so that's the answers of how they link. Mm. But why didn't God reveal yeah. Jesus straight away? Why, yeah, that is a great Because that's the question. question. <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> why didn't... Answer I mean, it's your question. I don't know. Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. That's a simple one. Yeah. But I just want to get people, like, talking yeah. about how... Yeah, I, I, I guess in one sense, I was talking to someone about like the necessity for sacrifice in the ancient world was the ancients didn't worship God 
the gods, I should say, without sacrifice. Mm. Like to actually offer that would be weird. It would. Yeah. Try to think of a modern equivalent. I don't know. Like come in a church about singing hymn, singing songs, mm. like worship or worshiping uh, God without going to church. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> like that's. I guess for us, we don't really have a even modern Christians like their way of approaching God. It's not. It's very loose, if that makes sense. Like oh, a totally. lot of church services now are quite. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, we don't I have a prescribed. Yeah, I don't know um, if I've mentioned this before, um, but I watched a really fascinating video uh, probably a year ago now. It was a um, a guy who went to um, Jerusalem and he was a Christian, and he was asking a bunch of Jews um, which is more similar to Judaism, Islam, or Christianity. And now I I don't know. I think a lot of Christians would be like, well, Christianity, obviously, mm. but like emphatically all mm. of them like no islam yeah you're like hmm well why is that well both of them are still relying on that very acts based mm. works based sort of faith mm. um in which you know whether it's offering animal sacrifices or praying five times a day um you know facing mecca like you know it's all this idea that there is conditions mm. <laughs> to how you you know worship god now obviously there are some conditions you need yeah, yeah. to you know pro- profess that christ is is god and mm-hmm. you know accept that salvation um but yeah after that like you can kind of understand how um let's at least just focus on the other two abrahamic mm-hmm. faiths of judaism and islam how they can kind of think that christianity looks like a bit of a joke from the outside you know mm. that there's um i suppose even a trap for us as christians then to not take our faith so seriously mm. to lose some of the reverence yeah. because it's so easy right it's almost like anything that's worth having doesn't come easy yeah. and it's like well actually like the gospel completely like negates this idea because it's very easy yeah. to accept the salvation of jesus and to enter the holy of holies mm. that that is offered it's you know, um, it's scandalous. It's it's completely, you know, unfathomable to any other comparable belief or traditional story that it's so accessible and it's so easy. <laughs> it's But wild. also too, at the same time, hard. And that's the whole point of Hebrews. Yeah. And what I'm going to talk about this Sunday is about the pilgrimage. Mm. But I guess going back to why, and ultimately I don't know, but I feel like yeah, to reveal to Yahweh to reveal Himself to Israelites through the sacrificial system was almost a culturally appropriate way. Mm. Like here's something that you're familiar with, but also here's a huge difference. Wow, that's cool. I guess that I guess that for me would be part of it. And mm. there's hints all the way along that mm. someone greater will come. Even Moses says, "Hey, there's going to be a greater prophet will come amongst you." Yeah, and yeah, and even before like the the Levitical parts of the law were introduced. Mm. Like when um, Jacob's prophesying over his 12 sons, he says, Judah, the scepter will not depart to Judah. And this mm. idea of there will be a king and he'll be so wealthy that eh, mm. my donkey will just, I'll just leave him next to my best vine and I don't care how much he eats because yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> I've got yeah, so much yeah. wealth. And yeah. and then when, um, oh my goodness, the guy whose donkey talks to him, Balaam, I just yeah, had a mind yeah, blank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even he prophesies about yeah Judah, this idea of a, a king coming. And so it seems like, I guess in a sense, God had that plan from salvation, but revealed it in steps that for the Israelites mm. forming this people to become a, a nation of priesthood mm. where using a sacrificial system, yeah. and Levitical laws as a mm. way to create a holy people, but ultimately recognizing that eh, it's, 
even within like Deuteronomy, Moses like, ah, you guys are going to in exile. Like that's where you're going to end up. Yeah. You're going to fail this and God's going to do something greater. So mm. yeah, that's sort of. I think that's a brilliant answer. I think that it points towards mm. God's grace, mm. his patience <laughs> and his willingness to meet us where we're at, yeah. right? To reveal things to us through frameworks and um, cultural understandings that are accessible mm. to us. Um, and I think that that's kind of what like the writer of Hebrews is saying in, in 9 verse 8. The Holy mm. Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place mm. had not yet been disclosed as long yeah. as the first tabernacle was still functioning. Mm. This is an illustration for the present time. Um, yeah. And I think that it, it it is such a brilliant question. Like, mm. why didn't mm. God just send Jesus a lot earlier, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that that's the answer. I mean, let's be real. When Jesus did come, you know, like a thousand years, give or take, yeah. after these stories that we're mm-hmm. looking at in Exodus and Leviticus, um, people were still like, what is this teaching? I've never mm. heard teaching like this. Like, this is so countercultural. This is crazy, you know. Um, and yeah, the religious leaders of that time rejected it. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, look, the, the people rejected Moses and that was the yes. accessible <laughs> yeah. way into God, you know, um, for them culturally. So yeah, I think that there is a huge wisdom in what you're saying that the accessibility of um, coming into the true God through understandings and ways and mm. motifs that they had probably living in Egypt and mm. living around other pagan sort of cultures had understood, oh, this is how we talk mm. to God. Like, how gracious is God? Mm. And you say that in the Psalms in particular. Yeah. Like they, Psalm 119 is like gushing over Torah, mm. like gushing. How I love your mm. law. I meditate on it day and night. Mm. And we Christians sort of go, I think I have done this in the past instinctively think the gospel yes I do love the gospels mm. Mm. I was like no wait a minute this is written like before Jesus yeah. was on the earth Yeah, this is talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy mm. and those boring passages which none of us like to read about the mm. construction of the tabernacle this is what he's gushing over mm. and so that's, that shows you a bit of an insight into the mind of mm. ancient Israelite that yeah. yeah access to God was really serious mm. serious business mm. and yeah, it, one of the things that uh, struck me about Hebrews is like Jesus upholding this whole world. I think I mentioned it when the storm came through the other week here mm. and it cracked some of the branches around here at the center. It's like, that's just like a little snapshot of mm. like a mm. storm. Imagine mm. like God's power. Yeah, you know, we sort of just like appearing oh, yeah, on Mount Sinai. <laughs> like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. cool. Jesus is my home dog. So, like, yeah. that was the question I asked: What Jesus you worship? All those weeks ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that this really? Yeah, frames us about the holiness of mm. God, and yeah, also too, like as you said earlier, just God's grace. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's cool. um a really interesting thing that that um video that I showed from the Bible Project. Mm. Um, oh, they're so man, like just even visually those videos are so dense like forget about all the words that go so fast and are so Mm. dense Um, but when they're kind of breaking down the book of Leviticus into those Mm. sort of seven sections it's really interesting you've got the animal sacrifices Mm. on both sides you've got the ritual cleansing you've got the priestly duties then right in the middle you've got Leviticus 16 and 17 Mm. which is really focusing on the day of atonement and this is so interesting because like you've got to understand that idea of a chiasm and how essentially we 
quite often in Western thinking, be like, oh, you save sort of the climax for the end of the story. Mm. Um, and that happens a little bit for mm. sure. But there's this added thing of a chiasm where the thing that's directly in the center is sort of everything else is a frame Rainbow working ever, into yeah. the middle of that. And the idea that even the book of Leviticus itself is it's the seventh type mm. of sacrifice that's mentioned. You get all these other six sacrifices yeah. set up right at the beginning in those first opening chapters. And then you kind of wait until this climax right in the center of Leviticus with the day of atonement yeah. and how for them, like this was, this was the ultimate thing mm. where the high priest would go in. It's kind of what you were saying before, yeah. but I just and think that's so beautiful. And then even within like a macro structure of Torah, some commentators argued that's the center Leviticus of Torah. Is Leviticus is the center of that. Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah, everything's working to Leviticus. Yeah. That's the high point. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause it's the center of five books. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this day of atonement mm. is not just the center of Leviticus, it's but center of yeah, like everything. It's pretty um, cool. So mm. obviously even just from a textual um, and a structure point of view, you're like, oh man, this day of atonement, like <laughs> this a, was, this was really, really serious. I want to quickly chat mm. if you don't mind. Um, just on this idea that is explored a bit later in uh, chapter nine, which is a little bit of sanctifying the environment. Mm. It's it's an interesting idea, and it's not something that I think we think about a lot um, as modern Christians. I might quickly read it, mm. and then we can sort of just chat about it a bit. But um, it says, When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Yeah. I think um, we kind of like get the idea, hopefully, that we need to be cleansed with the blood. Mm. <laughs> mm. And like our souls, like the inside and the out. But I mean, the scroll, the tabernacle itself, the, the very implements which are being used... Mm. Um, there's so much about creation care there. What are you kind of yeah. seeing all that? Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting. Like if you read, what is it? Exodus 30 or whatever it is. I can't remember where it is, but Moses sprinkling the people. It's a really, really graphic image. Yeah. Like people are literally being like splattered upon day of atonement. That's the, with blood. Blood <laughs> to cleanse it. And it seems like, what? How is that? How does blood cleanse? We yeah, actually, yeah. if you get, yeah, well, I've, I've I, seen I, the movie Carrie. She didn't look super clean no, at the man, end. The pig blood like I was just gonna say, I had Asher like fall over and cut his knee, and he needed to cuddle, and afterwards I'm like covered in like blood from blood. his knee, and I was yeah. like, oh, now I need to wash my shirt. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've mentioned already how sin is death. Yeah. And so within humans and animals, the lifeblood that's what keeps us alive. Yeah. And so in a sense that the antidote to death is blood. Yeah. And by and by sprinkling stuff with blood it's in a sense giving life to it yeah and it's i guess that question about like yeah that sort of creation care the environment i think of um when cain kills abel mm. it's fascinating how his blood's crying out for justice mm. and so if you actually read the old testament you'll notice in a few places that when they kill people they do it on a stone so their blood doesn't soak into wow. the ground Interesting. so when um uh Gideon's yeah, yeah the end of Gideon we think Gideon's a big hero then he has mm, and you read kind of afterwards <laughs> you read afterwards he had 70 sons and one of them's called Abimelech which is my father is king mm. and Abimelech was 
he kills his other brothers bar one and he kills them on a stone mm. for that reason because he doesn't want blood of 68 of his brothers, brothers crying, <laughs> crying out. out for justice wow. and then in ezekiel he gets stuck into the people that you know you, you're sacrificing people on stones mm. there's that idea that the people the, the ancients i don't know if it's an ancient near eastern but certainly the israelites had this view that if you kill someone and their blood's in the ground it like does something to the environment, the environment. It, it has this sort of and so the stone was there almost to protect the murderer so yeah. to speak from yeah. justice um, from vengeance, I should say, and justice. Um, so, and two, you get to say Leviticus. I think Leviticus chapter eighteen talks about the Canaanites committing all this like sexual immorality and say, for this reason, the land is vomiting them out. Yeah, yeah. That so it shows me like there's yeah. this perversion within the land yeah. that needs to be wiped out, and then it says, and you do the same things too. You're going to be vomited out. Yeah, which, yeah. It shows you that I guess there's God's justice. Yeah, about that it's like it doesn't matter. It's Canaanite Israelites who are doing it. Yeah, you're going to get vomited out too. And also, how sins. much God detests sin. Yeah, that like he, the it, it makes him physically sick, and yes. he wants to vomit it out. You know? mm. Whoa, okay, this is like uh, very <laughs> disgusting and, yeah, yeah. And, and powerful imagery. Uh, well, um, even you know. Noah's flood to an extent, like yeah. God regrets, and that in itself supercharged, like God regretting making the world yeah and what's he do <laughs> take it back to its pre-creation state yeah yeah wipe totally. it out and start again there's yeah. this defiling of the earth yeah that needs to be recreated reformed with mm. Noah, the new adam and his yeah. family given the new commission yeah yeah, in yeah. A world that's been reshaped i think that idea that um yeah sin doesn't just make us dirty or you know um impure unable mm. to you know enter god's holiness but it affects the very environment mm. um i love that's such a yeah powerful imagery of the blood of people who are murdered essentially um seeping into the ground crying mm. out um but this is kind of taking that idea and taking it even further that just you know casual sin almost mm. is also polluting the environment in a spiritual way yeah. it's quite profound and i kind of just found it very striking that um even needing to sprinkle the scroll <laughs> mm. and maybe that sort of highlights a little bit of my bibliolatry sort of yeah. lifting up the bible to a point but this idea that it's only through the blood and really the mm. the, the the final conclusion of this is through the blood of christ mm. that even our scripture <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is yes. is really made pure and whole mm. and complete. Um, yeah, sprinkling, you know, the tabernacle, our places of worship, like all of it is completely falling short without mm. the blood of really what the writer is yeah. eventually pointing to is the blood of Christ. And, and then what's really cool about the blood of Christ, there's lots of things, but as he says here, um, oh, yeah, here, chapter 10, 18, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is long than necessary. So the idea being, okay, like the blood sacrifices were useless because they had to just keep happening again and again and again and again every day. And the high priest die and, well, Jesus, he's the high priest that never dies. Yeah, He's the high priest that never sinned. He was tempted but didn't sin. Yeah. And he's the high priest slash sacrifice whose blood is, well, that's, that's it. You don't need to keep. Yeah, And so because it's like that old song, um, old hymn, have you... Are you washed in the blood of the mm. lamb? Which you feel like if you're a non-Christian, you're like, what the? You guys are like vampires or something? Yeah. But yeah, you just have to jump into this sort of worldview. Actually, I think this is one of the small group questions. Something along the lines of how do you communicate the gospel to people that aren't used to this sort of language yeah. of sacrifice? Like yeah. the reality is you just have to sort of get your head into it. You can't yeah. avoid 
sacrifice, blood. Totally. It's just the world the Bible was in. Yeah. And the world that Jesus entered into. And yeah. that was how he purified us. And so totally. it's, it's the, it can, can try to contextualize as much as possible. But the reality is that there's why you need to understand the ancient background. Yeah. Of scripture and people's worldview, yeah. I suppose too, like if, like going back to Abel's blood crying out, I'm guessing it must still be happening today. People's bloods crying out for justice. I don't think that was just a, a one-off back in the time of Genesis. It's like, and N.T. Wright talks about this with the resurrection of Jesus being. Um, he, he talks a bit about Job. He goes, Job, when he was restored, didn't get whisked into heaven. Mm. And he goes, he was given restoration in this time mm. and space. Mm. And that's why it's important for Jesus' resurrection, for justice to happen in this time and space. So, yeah, it'll be a new mm. heavens and new earth, but it's not like this old earth's going to mm. be exploded. Mm. So the imagery that, say, like Peter uses, the elements will burn up fire. Mm. Fire is very purifying. Like mm. It's like God's justice will be on this time and space. All the blood that's crying out, all the mm. creation that's been devastated by sin, Mm. there'll be justice given mm. to that that's because of the blood of jesus yeah i mean right. if we didn't lose some people through talking about the importance of creation care <laughs> this this might just do it but i wonder what significance blood crying out has to do for indigenous communities mm. oh. and what we as christians what what responsibility we have mm. for reconciliation mm. for repairing for being ambassadors of christ mm in a um, yeah reconciliation a, um, repairing a restoration of yeah sin of our forefathers right that, there um, is is a question I remember walking through Sydney like the city of Sydney and yeah. thinking how is God going to restore this land will it's there massive. will Sydney be here will it be bush like it's massive I don't know this but like because the reality is is like yeah Put some people offside. These are stolen lands. Yeah, yeah. Like, there were people before here that were taken. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's and look in a lot of the world was cr- like oh, that absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we live yeah. in a broken world. Well, most where, of it like, has been stolen conquer. and sort of yeah, attained through so it's not, murder and yeah. pillage. And so it's not like oh, just no. Colin. That's on everybody. Well, everyone. Almost. It's across the whole world. There's been that. But I do wonder that it's like wow. Like I look around at Jewel here, and there's lots of trees, and like ah, oh, like how's God gonna restore? Mm. Will the world be back to its mm. what whatever state before major cities are built? This is mm. questions I don't know, but I know that God is a God mm. of justice. Yeah, and so that's yeah. I just put my hope in well, however it will look like in the new heavens and new earth, mm. then that's something that I can just find deep comfort in. Mm. And yeah, tying us back in, it's because of the blood of Jesus that yeah. this is all possible. Massive, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah blood of mm. jesus to maybe restore and, and wash the sins of other blood mm. that's been yeah it's powerful um well i think we did it mate i think we did <laughs> <laughs> what are we uh yeah going to be in store for um, this sunday so we're gonna look at the the famous hebrews chapter 11 the hall of faith mm. but we're gonna have a bit of a framing around it which is the rest of chapter 10, which I think when we people just read the Hall of Faith in chapter 11, just start at chapter 11, but actually mm. chapter 10, verse 19 to 39 actually sets up and it gives you another warning. Mm. Well, it gives you like, hey, we've got to keep going, persevere. Then mm. it gives you this terrifying warning again. Mm. But then it actually talks about how 
Remember those days when you were persecuted for your faith? Yeah. And it just builds upon that and mm. then into the Hall of Faith. Well, I think it's really important if you just start at chapter 11, you sort of miss out on that. You need that warning to terrify you. They go, oh, crikey. It's like this, this warning, I reckon, is worse than the chapter <laughs> 6 one. Mm. It talks about if we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, there's no sacrifice for sins is left. Only a fearful expectation of judgment and of the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And you're like, oh. Oh my goodness, it's mm. terrifying. Yeah. And so that's puts a lot of fear into you. But then he gives you that comfort of saying, Hey, like you remember those days? You mm. you suffered for Christ and you mm. celebrated it. So don't pack it in just because yeah. you haven't seen God's promises yeah. come true. And so yeah, that's the thing that I'll keep saying in Hebrews, he gives you these warnings to frighten you. Yeah. So you change your course of action yeah. then he gives comfort so it's not just the mm. warning to leave you there and to yeah. doubt your salvation it's yeah, yeah, yeah. for those that are actually rejected not people that oh i've just committed one sin therefore oh that's yeah, it you're yeah, out yeah. you're out yeah you're gonna burn for eternity it's talking about those who've rejected which yeah. is the yeah and then looking at the heroes of the faith who mm. yeah we're too going to look at the, I've, I've seen sermon series just focusing on hebrews 11 before <laughs> yeah. so much going on yeah yeah so we'll probably just look at abraham and just to because again don't have time here for i it. am here i am yeah 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 so <laughs> then that image of being a pilgrims yeah and so the spiritual journey so love it yeah it'll be fun so good looking that's pretty much it. a sermon there i just yeah, given yeah, it all away. It, you know we'll still come someday yeah, there'll come be some someday. great stuff yeah, yeah. i promise <laughs> awesome well thanks yeah. for the chat man no, and, thank you uh, thank you for the word no ah, pleasure look forward yeah. to seeing everyone sunday yeah, see you then guys <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed. <laughs>